Science Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. We are honored to have the Production Horticulture Advisor with the Cooperative Extension at the University of California, Davis, with us today. With a PhD in horticulture and agronomy, he's a leading figure addressing water challenges in San Diego's vibrant nursery and floriculture industry. His expertise is in irrigation management and water quality, and that makes him a key player in navigating the complexities of water regulations and fostering profitable and responsible practices. Today, we're going to discuss water issues in California, potential solutions, and how this ultimately affects the food that we eat across America. From America's Breadbasket, I'd like to welcome Jerry Spinelli. Welcome, Jerry, and thank you so much for being here today. Hello, how are you doing? Very good. So let's start out with your background. So how did you get where you are today? Oh, it's a long story. I grew up in uh, Florence, Italy. My mom had some uh, property there and she had some olives planted there. It's it's typical. We love we love olive oil. And so um, it's common to grow. It's common to grow olives there. And um and so, uh, and I grew up, and also we had some land that we would grow our own vegetables. And then, but but all the all our um, decisions with irrigation and fertilizations were very. Um, I cannot say that they were very scientific. So I would give to my onions. I would give a, a handful of fertilizer just because this is the size of my hand, right? The Lord, the Lord gave me these hands this big, and so I said, well, okay, my onions need a handful of nitrogen and 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 five minutes of water and so the it was more of a guess it was more of a guess than than a calculation on how we would decide to to manage water and fertilizer and so maybe because of that growing up i must have thought up there is there must be a better way to 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 take these decisions and so i ended up studying horticulture agriculture and then uh, I was around the world for during my twenties, and I finally landed in 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 California, and I did my PhD at UC Davis in uh, in horticulture. And then uh, I found uh, I got I had the honor to uh, get this job in San Diego with UC ANR University of California Agriculture and Natural Resources. And uh, and my title is uh, farm advisor, and my job is to um, to work with growers um, collaboratively to provide uh, solutions. Well, that's that is amazing. Um, so I was recently in California. I was uh, I did some farm tours as far north as Sacramento, and then I had another conference down in Fresno, and the topic everywhere I went was water. Whether you're in the North or in the South, um, water is a very big, very big issue. And for those of us in the East, we don't think about water like that every day. So it was it was very intriguing to me to hear all the different sides. So can you provide an overview of the current water issues facing, especially the nursery and floriculture industry in San Diego, and then how it compares to the broader challenges of California? So yeah, so there's the old joke that you know whiskey is for drinking and California and and water is for fighting over, and uh, this joke is very is very appropriate for for California, yes. and and we um, 
there is a lot of um there is a lot of discussions about where you know how water resources are supposed to be managed but then there is also the problem with uh, what they call water quality meaning basically pollution and uh and so there is both both an interest in the you know in the supply of water and also in uh, protecting the the environment on on uh, um where where the irrigation water or 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 the runoff water or even the storm water goes um if it uh, if it goes in the river or if it goes in the groundwater um there is there is a lot of work and a lot of interest in in, in protecting the environment uh, in that sense um california is a big state um so we receive our water supply from different um uh, from different areas uh, down here in southern california we are on uh, mostly um colorado river water we have also some uh, local um supply we have some some um lakes up in the in the hills and we also have um notably the carlsbad uh, desalinization plant that also provides some of our water although that water is very expensive as you can imagine because you gotta mm -hmm. you gotta squish it out you gotta squish out the the salts out of it and so the result is that for my growers in in San Diego County, the 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 cost of water is really high, and as far as I know, is the highest in the nation. And we pay twenty five hundred dollars per acre foot. One acre foot is about a third of a million of um, um, gallon, a third of a million gallons. So. Um, for comparison, maybe in the Central Valley of California, maybe they would pay $100 for an acre foot. In the coastal valleys of California, we talk about $200, $300. We're at $2,500. So wow. it's, it's, we pay a lot of money for that water. And so, and so it's very important for, um, for, for growers to be very efficient. Um, um with with water management um so one of the things that i do is to um work with uh, with the nursery uh, industry and with the greenhouse industry uh, to improve um uh, management practices and also irrigation system irrigation equipment to um improve efficiency um and and management and also irrigation scheduling um there is also um a related practice that is um, um in particular in nurseries and greenhouses that is uh, capturing capturing the runoff water after after you irrigate inevitably some water some water runs off because not all get intercepted by the by the pots by the containers or some leaches out at the bottom of the container so some of that water runs off runs runs off and um, and uh, currently growers in san diego capture this runoff water in a pond or in some kind of structure where they can uh, um, avoid that it runs off uh, that runs off off site and that of course would be a, a environmental problem um, but instead, this water get 
gets captured and then can be treated or can be blended again with fresh water and then can be reused. So um, some of these practices are really a win-win because you can reuse the water and at the same time you you, you protect you protect the environment by avoiding that you um, discharge this water into into the surface into the lakes and and rivers and creeks. Um, and 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 the, the the ornamental industry, the greenhouse industry, the 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 nursery industry here in San Diego has been very uh, innovative and very uh, willing to um, adopt these innovative um, practices. Um, the the county um, and the and the regional water quality control board that are our water quality, water pollution regulators, they've been also very, very successful and very um, good at interacting with growers to, um, on one hand, working with growers to get them in compliance with the with the regulations, um, but also being able to um, adapt the regulations in order to make them more um, um reasonably more 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 um um good uh, for the specific um reality that each nursery has right yeah so i'm assuming if if with the cost of water and that comparison you gave us at the beginning you must be growing high value crops in that area then so what what crops what specialty crops are growing in your area so in 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 San Diego we have uh, um, some, uh, so to speak, traditional crops that are avocados and and citrus. Um, they um, the acreage has been going down because um, again the high costs of water and the high costs of land have been kind of uh, um, squishing uh, these these crops a little, a little bit out of the um the economics the economics are, are really hard uh for the for the avocados also mexico developed a really a really good um industry during the past uh, maybe 20 years so much that we even get a, a a an advertisement during the Super Bowl, believe it or not, of the avocados coming into from Mexico. So it's it's really hard. It's really hard to compete with our um, costs of water and with our costs of labors and with our regulations. It's really hard to compete with um, with those with those with that product coming in from 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 Mexico. Uh, nevertheless, we still have a sizable. Um, um, avocado industry um, and is larger than the uh, in terms of acres than the than the nursery and greenhouse industry, but on the other hand, in terms of value, the the nursery and greenhouse industry in San Diego is a is a powerhouse. Um, we produce, and I proudly include myself in the industry, proudly and, and shamelessly include myself in the industry. We produce 1.3 billion dollars of uh, of value per year, and uh, by comparison, it's larger than all the tomatoes grown in the whole state of California. Wow. And uh, and so the the. The, the nursery industry and the greenhouse industry and the cut flower industry and also other things that are grown in um, 
in uh, greenhouses, including you know transplants uh, for for vegetables, for example, or 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 maybe small trees that then become a a an orchard uh, of um, almonds or pistachios. Um, all these different productions are uh, part of what we call the nursery and greenhouse industry, but. Um, but as you can imagine, is the 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 variability of of product is is the is is the diversity of 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 what we grow is really is really high, and also the the different techniques um, that we use. I, one day I may visit a a succulent and and um, and um, cactus grower that is outdoor and. Um, Everything is on uh, in um, in pot in potted in in, content, in containerized production, but uh, there is no greenhouse, there is no the hoop house, there is no greenhouse, and then the next day I may walk into a super high tech um, greenhouse with uh, double polyethylene covering and with heaters and with fans and with uh, evaporative cooling fan and pad systems, and they may be growing. Um, some tropicals or some um, indoor uh, foliage plants. So and 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 everything and everything in between. So the techniques are very are very different. Um, and so it's hard it's hard to put this industry in a box. It's hard to say um, who we are and what we grow uh, compared to. The almond industry, or the or the or the grape industry, or the or the processing tomato industry, that is a lot more standardized. Yeah, and I was surprised to learn that we're now California is now producing over four hundred um, commodities, both plant and animal, all together. And and so every day we're eating things from California, and I think it's good for all Americans to think about that 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 much of our food is being produced out in California. So the regulations there are affecting our tables every day too. Right. Your tables and also and also the the plants that you buy not for not because you want to eat them, but because uh they improve your life with uh, with beauty or the right. flowers put in your in in your house to to improve to improve your your environment and, and your mood. Right. And so San Diego, San Diego County is implementing a new agriculture order, which is going to be enforced soon. Can you tell me what the specific regulations related to water management um, are going to be that growers need to be prepared for? Yes, these are some regulations that uh, are um, uh, focusing on uh, nitrogen, mostly irrigation and nitrogen. Um, the the idea is protecting groundwater and uh, and surface water from uh, from and surface waters from from pollution. So um, in agriculture and in in horticulture, we use uh, we use fertilizers that um, uh, contain nutrients such as such such as nitrogen and phosphorus. And um, and of course, it's very important that that we, as an industry, that we protect the environment. We avoid that these uh, nutrients um, again either run off into the into the into the creeks and and and, and lakes and rivers, um, and also do not leach into the um, groundwater. So the 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 interest is um, 
both for protecting groundwater and uh, and surface waters and these new regulations that are um, coming are um, specifically um, looking at the quantity of uh, um, nitrogen that um, the grower applies compared to the quantity that uh, the grower removes. And so uh, these new regulations are, um, the idea is looking at this uh, difference between how much is applied as fertilizer and how much is removed as harvest. Um, so this, we have a lot of discussions that we are having right now with this idea of A minus R. Again, A is the pounds of nitrogen applied per acre and R are the pounds of nitrogen removed with the harvest um, with acres uh, per acre with the, with the harvest. And so um, uh, currently there are being some discussions with the, with the, with the water quality regulators to um, improve these regulations and how to apply them for the specific uh, reality that we have here in San Diego, that is very different. is a very is a very different kind of agriculture and and horticulture of what you may find in the Central Valley of California or in the coastal valleys of California, where much of the rest of um, agriculture in the state is concentrated. Well, that makes sense. And so, how are growers? preparing for complying with the new regulations well so a lot of a lot of interest in is in uh, um, improving how um, nitrogen is managed and uh, how much is applied and how it is applied and so um and and I'm also I'm also part of that um discussion and I'm also part of that um education um a lot of uh, a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, measuring and they say they say you cannot manage what you don't measure and so um a lot of a lot of the education that i do working with growers is about uh, measuring and calculating how much fertilizer is uh, either injected into the irrigation system um, a lot of growers use what we call liquid feed, meaning that there is a fertilizer injector that um, injects some quantity of concentrated um, fertilizer into the irrigation line. So uh, basically, the idea is using is using irrigation water as the as the carrier as the vector for for um, distributing fertilizer. But of course, you you need to sit down and make some calculations and make sure that. Uh, and make sure that the um, that the injector is injecting at that rate, and the and the concentrated solution is uh, made with this many pounds of of fertilizer per gallon. And then, and then you can also go at the end of the irrigation line and take a sample and measure electrical conductivity or even measure nitrate in it. And then, and then we you know that you're applying the the optimal amount of fertilizer of course nobody wants to apply more fertilizer than they need because of course it's expensive and then also then it hurts the environment but on the other hand you don't want to apply less than what your plant needs and so 
um and so it's it's important that it's important that this management is done in a in a rational and 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 optimal way uh, the other the other um the other technique that we use to apply uh, fertilizer um in the in the nursery and greenhouse industry is what people call crf controlled release fertilizer and um, it comes in little prills that are coated with various material and this coating is um, um, permeable and depending on the temperature depending on a number of things and so and so this this prills this this little ball ball of fertilizer releases slowly and um and there are techniques to uh, measure how much um fertilizer is available to the plant one of these techniques is called the pour through method where basically basically the grower get, gets one pot and pour some um deionized water and collect some leachate and then there are tables um to um where 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 one can measure again the electrical conductivity and the, and, and and from there we'll know if the plant um has enough fertilizer or not so I'm, um, my job is to teach these techniques to, to growers and to um, thereby improving their um, fertilizer efficiency. And, and, you know, growers are very receptive to this because they, um, they really like, it's a, it's a very, um, it's a very innovative industry. Um, people like to learn new techniques or or use new tools and and uh, and 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 measure and measure things and 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 be more efficient and 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 save and save fertilizer and save labor and so um it's a very dynamic industry and it's really and 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 my effort and the effort of my colleagues of the university are very well um received by the industry so it's it's a pleasure and the and the privilege to to serve to serve the the ornamental and 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 nursery and greenhouse industry in san diego right that's great and and how is the county measuring success like are they coming out on farms are they are they measuring the nitrogen levels how is that going to work so both the both the county of San Diego and the Regional Water Quality Control Board um, that are are two regulators and um, they've been they've been very they've been also very nice to work uh, with. Of course, you know they they do their job, so they're the regulators. But um, they've they've been they've been talking to each other, which is great. You know, sometimes. Paradoxically, the growers get get regulated by two different uh, sides, and they, you know, and these and these institutions are these like Kafkaesque things that don't talk to each other, and so you don't know, like, hey, I'm complying with this already. Why do you ask me to think to do the same thing twice? Mm-hmm. So, uh, luckily, here in San Diego, these two institutions have been have been great and they've been they've been trying to um put their effort together so then so then the grower has to do things only once and we're still we're still in in this process we're still there is some there's still some uh, room for improvement but um it's great to know um that there is the flexibility 
from the from these institutions to to work with us um and so and so and our and our situation again also is a little bit in between right because we see both point of views as the as the university and so also we're also regarded as those that have the answers right like we are the scientists you know so i we have all these books behind us and we have we study you have you have your book and so then people tell me okay jerry tell us about how tell us about plant nutrition of greenhouse crops right so we we are the one that are supposed to give the answers everybody so sometimes sometimes we are squished we are squished in this in between but the um the the county has a as a as a uh, water quality um uh, program that is both for um irrigation water and storm water and they have a very successful team of inspectors that um go around and visit nurseries and uh, and find uh, um and find areas where the grower can improve their compliance and so um luckily they've had a um, collaborative approach where again they you know they like to to work with the grower and say hey you need to fix this and uh, work with jerry or or um also nrcs has been involved and they've they've been they've been great to the um uh, natural um resource conservation service um and so and so the grower would 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 have an inspection and they would go through uh, all the uh, practices that they have and typically uh, we're talking about um water management practices i have a I have a ditch that is conveying my storm water out of the out of my out of my production area. Uh, I want to um, I want to keep the ditch clean, or I want to uh, line it to avoid that water storm water on its way out picks up some sediment, or and maybe and maybe bound to that sediment there is some phosphorus, or maybe bound to that sediment there is some uh, low solubility pesticide. So. Um, or maybe I had a culvert that 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 stormwater uh, brought some uh, debris in there, and and now and now I have to clean it. So the so the um, the inspector would walk would walk the nursery with the with the with the owner or, or with the operation manager, and um, and help them and help them be be in compliance with the regulator with the with the regulations. Um, as far as irrigation water. Um, currently, the regulation says that no irrigation water can leave uh, your property. So, if you're irrigating, a runoff cannot go out of the of the property, and this is something that is being enforced seriously. Right. So, um, there is no there is no joking around around here. And so, um, and so that has led that has led to uh, many growers applying a number of a number of these practices to um, to avoid runoff and to protect water quality. And I, I read an article where you were quoted, um, kind of describing some of the challenges of of this regulation, especially with how diverse the crops can be in one place, where you have a different, you know 
fertilizer recipe for each plant and how do you manage that? So what are some of the solutions that that you're going to be helping growers implement? Well, so that that goes back to this uh, discussion that is that is happening both at the both at the local level and also the state level right. for um, for these frameworks of applying uh, of, of of the grower reporting applied nitrogen and 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 removed nitrogen and that's uh, um, as you may expect is 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 easy to uh, estimate how much nitrogen. Uh, uh, 4,000 pounds of, of almond kernels have removed from a field or, or, or 18,000 pounds of, uh, of, uh, romaine lettuce as, as removed from a, uh, from an acre. But it's, it's more difficult, um, for, for a grower, um, for an ornamental grower that may be growing in the same, uh, uh, nursery or in the same greenhouse, uh, often often in in an acreage that is smaller smaller than than ten acres. So it's it's a very small and it's very in terms of area, and it's a very concentrated production. And maybe the grower may be growing two hundred different kind of plants, right? And so it's 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 not unusual for me to walk. A greenhouse with with uh, uh, with the grower and asking what's that what's that what's that is it aglaonema or is it uh, zingonium or is it diaphenbachia I, I don't I don't even I oh, know it's a pile I oh, know it's not a peperomia right so it's and 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 it's, I I just walked ten yards and I've seen already like five different plants that I don't even that I don't is it is it an alocasia or is it a colocasia I I don't even know and so and so um and so how do you how do you estimate how much mm-hmm. nitrogen these plants have removed and also the cycle is not uh, um seasonal of course, it, it, an almond an almond is a plant that's outdoors, and so it it flowers when it needs to flower in February or in March, and then it gets split whole when it has to do it. I don't even know, and then and then you and then you harvest it at in 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 late in late summer. But the uh, we, the ornamental industry we produce year round, right? And so we um so there is, is is not seasonal and we 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 harvest all the time and we and we plant so to speak all the time so it's hard to find a cycle we can have easily three or four cycles a, a year or or even more for for plants that have shorter uh shorter cycles like some 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 product in in smaller in smaller containers can have like a couple of weeks or three weeks of of of, of cycle, and so um, so that that makes it difficult. There is also the complication of uh, um, what you grow and what you sell. That there is not this is not always the same because you know there is some shrinkage. There is some plants that are not sold, and so they they get thrown away or uh, it's an industry that um the value the value of our of our product is in its um aesthetics and so 
Um, unfortunately, if if a plant doesn't look good, nobody's gonna buy it. And so there is always some percentages of these plants that you don't sell. And yeah. so and so then again, this is an additional factor that makes it complicated because the harvest is not the same of, as as the production. And so there is some quantity of plants that I have grown and have applied nitrogen to it, but they're not leaving the nursery as 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 yield, so to speak. And so now I cannot estimate anymore how much I have removed by what I've sold. And so the um so there are there are all these uh complicating complicating factors and uh, and again the uh, both the grower community and the and the academics have been uh, engaging in discussions with the with the with the regulator and the the regulator has been very um flexible and very willing to listen to us and to engage in discussions with us so that's that's great and um and we don't know where the where the discussion is gonna is gonna land um of course you know there's always people saying ah no we should be exempted um and and then instead other others pushing for more um stricter regulations um one of the um one of the uh things that definitely is a winner in my opinion is some of the things that we are Ironically, we're already doing here in San Diego for other reasons, partially for other reasons, which is, okay, I'm going to capture all this water, right? We know that this runoff has pesticides in it. We know that this runoff has nitrate in it. We know that this runoff maybe also has sediment in it that phosphorus may be bound to it. Let's just collect it. Let's just collect it before it leaves the nursery, before it leaves the, 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 the property, and and then and then we can we can we can collect it so it doesn't doesn't hurt the environment and then we can do something with it we can we can put it through a sedimentation pond so now we get rid of the sediment of the sediment we can uh, inject some chlorine or we can inject some ozone so we kill we kill pathogens so we don't we avoid that we recycle our own plant pathogens which is obviously a big a big concern and then, uh, and then now we can reuse this water. We can measure the electrical conductivity. Of course, you don't want to use uh, water that is very salty, so it's common to blend this water back in with 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 fresh water to decrease um, the salinity. But then, uh, but then it can it can be reused for 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 irrigation. And sometimes I have growers that say, "Well, I use." this water that has high salinity only on these plants these other plants are more sensitive so i just use municipal water on those so there is uh, there is some complicating factors and one one it's important one needs to know what what they're doing but but if they do then then it's a win-win right because now you you reuse water i have I have a grower. I have I have a grower that asks me, "Hey Jerry, I want to estimate how much water I've I'm I'm reusing." And so we put a flow meter on his on his uh, lagoon on his pond where he repumps to, and and um, and I download I have a data logger there, and I download the data, and every time I send in an email, and the guy is super happy because I say like, "Well, you have saved uh, ten acre feet that otherwise you would have spent." 
$2,500 an acre foot, you just saved $2,500. And the guy loves to get these emails from me oh, because I bet. he knows how much he knows how much he has saved in, in water. So it's definitely, definitely is a, uh, is a good practice. Um, the, the bad news is that it's expensive, right? Because building a pond, lining a pond and, and all the, all the equipment that is associated, um, um, it's not cheap, but but definitely but definitely is a practice that uh, protects the environment, and so um, I don't know if everybody statewide can apply this specific practice or 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 other practices, but but certainly uh, to me the way to get compliance is to focus on each specific um, reality that's. As we as we said earlier, is is there's a really big variability, and to um, collaborate co- collaborate with the grower to um, implement some of these practices that we know um, that we know protect water quality. Yeah, and are you seeing like technology adoption of new technology through this, and and where are we going with technology? Yes, yes, we're seeing we're seeing adoption of technology, technologies that are some technologies that are already there and and some growers that earlier were not using it um they adopted um for example technologies for um for treating for treating um runoff water um some growers injecting chlorine oxides. Some growers injecting uh, uh, ozone. There is another solution that is called um, slow sand filters, and 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 some growers are are using those. Um, there is also interest in using uh, um, technologies for um, irrigation uh, system systems. Um, most most growers um in in five gallon pots and larger five fifteens and definitely the uh, boxes 24 inch boxes they use localized irrigation meaning spray stakes or or drip emitters um whereas um sprinklers that used to be the rule um are not very common because they're um they're less efficient um and also uh we are getting more um pressure compensating emitters that also allow um the grower to distribute water more uniformly and so um now the grower doesn't have to over irrigate to make sure that the plants that get the least amount of water get enough when irrigation when irrigation system distribute water very unevenly you will get some plants that get a lot of water and some plants that get very little now you have to irrigate longer so these plants get enough but in the meantime these these plants that had already had enough now they get more than enough and then you get runoff and you get all those problems so anything that that can make the irrigation more even is um is going to ultimately save save water uh so so pressure compensating emitters and now now there is also pressure compensating spray stakes um those are those are some new things that um 
10 years ago we didn't have or 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 very little they weren't very common and now now we're starting seeing it everywhere um of course of course in san diego when the when when water is so expensive it's easy to justify a change that right. it costs in terms of equipment but the grower looks at the number and say well okay their 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 turner investment is 2 years it's 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 worth it's worth doing it and um and also sprinklers um also sprinklers compared to the uh, you know old style uh, impact sprinklers made of brass we see those less and less um and we see more um other technologies now i cannot say brands but we see more uh innovating innovative other technologies that again improve distribution uniformity and of water and also fertilizer when you inject fertilizer and irrigation system and so um and so we see a lot of those um some growers are also using um drip tape or 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 drip hoses in 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 smaller in smaller um pot sizes and um i don't know if if we can call that the technology but i see a lot of uh, um growers growing can to can as they say meaning that the the pots are touching each other right that's something that improves what we call the interception efficiency because as you as you can imagine the closer the the closer you keep your your pots the the more likely is that your irrigation system your, your overhead water hits that pot instead of hitting the the alleyway so so the trade-off is that then you have to move these pots around and so um we see improvements there too there is some innovative uh, futuristic technologies that um now they're very niche but i'm sure that someday will be the norm where we see little little robots with wheels and their battery power that go around grab the pot and, and move them around and um and again this this may seem something something weird or 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 kind of a curiosity now but i'm sure that um there will be there will be a lot of space for that particularly with the costs of labor and yeah. with the availability of labor that is that is also a problem these days is not only how much labor costs but whether whether you can get it or not in the short term it's also it's also a big problem so any technology that improves water efficiency and labor efficiency it's definitely welcome yeah for sure and technology fascinates me that's why i cover a lot of technology ag technology here on the show um there's always um we have to think about so many angles as well and i know a year or two years ago i had on the show um a pump company and their their model was to sell it to the counties and the cities. So the counties and the cities would be able to turn on and off the pumps. Now, a lot of growers are like, nope, not interested because now they're competing for water, which they are anyway um, with, with the current systems. But then it's on a, a, a level where they are competing with people's front lawns, with their swimming pools. Right. So what do you think about those type of solutions? Are you hearing those being being um, 
tossed around at all? Or do you think it's going to be managed on the farm level? You know, we have uh, most most of my growers um, use municipal water uh, mm-hmm. ready. And uh, you know we are we are in an area where they uh, you drive you drive out of the nursery and there's big apartment complex where people live right there. So we are at the intersection between uh, rural area and uh, and uh, and urban area, and so and then we don't have uh, in in some areas up the up in the mountain we have some, but in general. Um, we don't have a lot of groundwater resources here in San Diego. We have very little water, and um, and it's also high salinity. And so the 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 few growers that have wells um, in the county, they need to. So they do have a pump, but maybe we're talking about a five or or ten percent, very few, and then. Uh, they typically they have reverse osmosis systems so they would have to put just like the just like the desalinization plant in 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 Carlsbad so the grower would have their own small desalinization plant to 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 remove salts from this from this groundwater and so um but still but still even even when they have wells they also still buy some water from the uh, from the municipality that is um as you were saying is delivered already um pressurized mm-hmm. and the 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 water district have a little bit of a cheaper price for for agricultural use but but not really so it's a little cheaper than 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 for municipal use but is but is the same water and um and is not is not a lot cheaper mm-hmm. um another another solution that municipalities have been uh, have been working on and that's and that's another thing that has been very um very successful and uh, it's it's happening already in Fallbrook and uh, I know that Escondido is working on that too I don't know if they have it ready um uh, quite yet but they will soon uh, is to reuse um, municipal water, municipal wastewater from the water treatment facility. Um, I know that they have to add some uh, tertiary treatments in order to make that um, water usable for irrigation, uh, but then they can sell that water to growers. And right. that's what we refer to the the purple pipe because by by regulation it needs to be painted. All those pipes need to be painted purple, and so and so and 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 it's cheaper for the for the grower to buy that water, which is a good thing. Um, the it's a good thing for the for the city because they have a they can get the use for that water. Um, it's a little more expensive for them to do the treatment, but then they get they get they can sell something that in the old days they would just right. it was just a waste product that would go to the ocean, and uh, and the grower can buy again the grower buys this purple pipe water that is a little cheaper than the other water. It has some salts in it. It it has higher salinity than the than the municipal water. So then 
again, there's a management issue there. You got to measure your salinity. You're gonna decide which of your plants, like maybe my washing tone, my palms are 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 a little tougher. They can take the the high salinity water, and this is my petunias. They they, they can't. And so there's some management there, but it's been something that has been very successful. And again, thanks to the collaboration between the cities, the local, the local institutions, and the and the growers, and that's uh, definitely it's been a win-win. So yeah, that's that's been very helpful too. Oh, that's good. And so, uh, how can California growers? collaborate with organizations like Farm Bureau and Irrigated Lands Groups to access resources they need, support they need, and even to be able to work with the local extensions? What what can they do to, to really get the assistance they need to follow the new re- regulations and even keep up with re- regulations? Oh, so uh, it takes a village. So yeah. now we've been, we've been talking about myself, but I, we, um, we're all working together here in San Diego and the Farm Bureau, the San Diego Farm Bureau has been a great, a great collaborator and a great resource for, um, for, for their members, for, for, for growers. And uh, here in San Diego, um, the irrigated land group is housed by the, by the Farm Bureau and the, and it was created by, by a group of, a group of growers that decided to to work together and to um help um all the members and other growers to be in compliance with the with the water quality regu- uh, regulations what the current the current ag order that we have so uh, without the irrigated land group and without the the farm bureau it would be impossible it would be impossible for a grower to be in compliance because the um what the what the regulator asks is that they that the um each grower takes a sample of uh, um of nutrients and of pollutants in the in the surface waters and report it to the to the to the to the water quality control board which would be too expensive for a grower to 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 sample by themselves, right. and so the irrigated land group offers this um, offer this service to the to the growers, and of course they they charge them a fee, but then they use this money to uh, do sampling all together. Because maybe there are a number of there are a number of farms or there are a number of operations that they're part of the same watershed, and they all drain to this. Uh, to this river, to this creek. So instead of ten people taking ten independent sample, the irrigated land group takes only one sample and reports it for everybody. Um, so again, they have been they have been a great a great resource for 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 the for the growers. Uh, the irrigated land group is also a great resource for the regulators because then the regulators has some some institutions or some group to. Um, to relate to and to have and to have discussions with and they have been a great resource for me for um for doing my job that is you know delivering delivering uh, science based information and 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 disseminating knowledge um to to growers that can use it so for me has been has been um 
very very important to um to work with the irrigated land group and to be able to access the 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 growers community um through them so so yeah so it's uh it's been it's it's the, the the work that they do is great and we couldn't we could we couldn't do what we do without them so so thank you yeah, to great the resources Farmero, and thank you to the san diego irrigated land group yeah that's that's great and i have one last question for you why do you continue to serve the industry what are you most passionate about and what you do well, it's um, it's great that all together we can we can achieve some uh, um, results, and it's great that all together we can uh, um, all of us can all of us can achieve their their objective, right? The grower we can we can keep the 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 industry um, uh, competitive, and we can keep um, um, the socioeconomic um benefits of such a big industry keep coming to keep coming to san diego this is an industry that employs a lot of people and there are a lot of there are a lot of families that you know are able to pay their bills thanks to this industry so certainly we wanna we wanna protect that um at the same time we also want to protect the environment so and and we want to and we want to comply with regulations um and so uh, what i'm passionate about is killing two birds with one stone and uh, adding adding uh, science or adding you know research and 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 evidence evidence based reasoning and 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 and, and technology based uh, solutions to 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 improve efficiencies and to do better the same things that we used to do before but using less resources and 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 optimizing uh practices and and improving efficiencies and so um and so we can we can produce better plants and because that's that's what we do and 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 sell and sell be- beauty and sell beauty to 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 America and uh, but at the same time also protecting protecting the environment and 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 respecting and respecting regulations so um again it's been has been a great privilege and a great and a great honor being part of this uh, of this effort and um and again thank thank to the grower community thank you to the farm bureau to the irrigated lands group and and thank you to the regulators also because they they've been very they've been have been really great to work with. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Great conversation and lots to think about. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, links are provided in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe to North American Egg Spotlight on YouTube, Rumble, Telegram channels, and the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Listen Notes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked the episode, I'd love it if you shared it. Have a great day. Did you know that at NorthAmericanAg.com, we are committed to providing valuable resources for farms and agribusiness. Find your next podcast in the Best of Ag podcast library. Delve into our on-demand webinar series, check out the latest in ag news, or treat yourself to a new hoodie or tea from our swag shop. 
Head over to our subscribe page to join our community and be the first to know about what's happening in the industry. North American Ag provides daily ag news and weekly podcasts covering ag tech, ag policy, new products, family, and faith. North American Ag gives farm families and ag professionals insight into what's happening in agriculture throughout North America. Ditch the mainstream media. Join North American Ag. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.